Welcome to the Healthy You Gatherings podcast. We are told in John 16, that we will have troubles, and Jesus confirms that by saying, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Healthy You Gatherings allows us to come together and explore complex and difficult topics. Find benefit in learning from the one who's overcome the world, who understands that a biblical perspective will help us find peace amidst life's everyday issues. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another podcast as we continue on our journey of Healthy You Gatherings. Uh, This is actually the last hug for this season, uh, and we are hitting a topic that a lot of people uh, are struggling with or encountering, and that's anxiety. And uh, today's podcast is uh, Understanding Anxiety, and this is actually part two. Uh, part one was done last year, and it's uh, actually up as a podcast. Doug Wildman, who is uh, an associate care pastor, uh, actually um, taught on anxiety. So if you haven't listened to that one, uh, my recommendation would be to listen to that one before you listen to this one, um, just because of some of the um, groundwork that he lays uh, in that podcast. I just uh, add to that today. And so um, if you are uh, looking at the podcast, you should be able to see the um, slideshow that goes along with it. And so if you want to open that, uh, you can follow along uh, with me as I will reference which slide that I'm on. And uh, I'm moving on to slide two here as we uh, as we start. What are we hoping to learn today? Uh, three things. One, we want to better recognize uh, the possible causes of anxiety. Um, a lot of times in life, we are dealing with symptoms and we don't necessarily get to the root and we don't get to the cause. We just deal with um, maybe wanting to feel better. And so we never really get to our cause. Uh, but once we do, the second thing is we want to become better equipped to be present with ourselves and with others who are experiencing anxiety. Because I think the more understanding that we have, the better chance we have to be compassionate and to be um, kind of understanding of, of what people are going through. And then three, we want to learn some practical exercises to help ourselves reduce anxiety. And again, anxiety is a huge issue. By no means is this podcast exhaustive uh, of how to um, maybe combat it or to... Um, overcome anxiety. Um, But the hope is that this will give us some tools, some handles, some things that we can use to uh, start on that journey or on that path, wherever you may be uh, in uh, relationship to anxiety. So uh, the next slide, what is anxiety? Um, And it's simply a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, uh, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And uh, you see that the words feeling and uncertain are the words that are uh, in bold. So recognizing that anxiety starts off as a feeling, and a lot of it is because we're uncertain. So it's very normal to be anxious uh, maybe about the start of a school year, the start of a job, um, the start of a relationship, because you're uncertain of how things are going to work out. So um, anxiety is quite normal. It's quite natural. 
when we start to struggle with it is when we get into, if you go to the next slide, what we call an anxiety condition. And that's when we live in a state in which normal life activities, going to the grocery store, going to the movies, uh, going to school, going to work, uh, you are negatively affected by anxiety. And then what begins to happen is it manifests itself uh, in the way where maybe we become fearful and we avoid um, certain places, certain situations, or we end up with these obsessive thoughts and behaviors where we uh, are unable to, what I call, uh, get out of the loop. Uh, This loop of what if, this loop of worst case scenario. And so what we want to do is we want to touch on both of those. But what we want to do is we want to say, okay, well, what's a working definition that we can use for our time today? If you go to the next slide, it's a physiological conditioning for survival, a physiological conditioning for survival. And the reason why we're using this as a working definition uh, is because one of the things about any situation, any issue is what we want to do is we want to bring it down to its most base form and make it where uh, we can all kind of relate to that. So what is physiological? If you go to your next slide, physiological means the natural self, okay? And so you have a nervous system, and that nervous system goes into high alert when something is happening and it's and it's preparing your body for action. True story. I was um, we have something here at Brookwood once a month called the welcome reception and uh, people who are brand new to the church come to one of our pods and several of us get up and we talk about our areas just to give people kind of a snapshot of who we are. And at the end, we meet with them and talk with them and, um, you know, just just give them some people to uh, see and be familiar with what we do. Well, while I was doing my presentation, I sensed something to my right. Now, I did not know what it was. But my nervous system went into high alert, and sure enough, to the table right beside me, as I looked over, there was a big old hairy spider, and he was probably about two times the size of my thumb, walking across the table. And uh, Kristen Dossie, who is our um, connections uh, coordinator, she scooped him up and threw him away. But in that moment... My nervous system went into high alert because I could sense that off to my right there was an issue. There was something there, and surely enough, there was a spider, probably a wolf spider, and he was probably very um, harmless. But my natural self went into overdrive. Now, here's the difference between living in an anxiety state and maybe being anxious. I was able to come back down, and the reason why I was able to is because The reasoning self of me, the prefrontal cortex, which is the reasoning center, the part in the front of my brain, was able to tell my amygdala, which is the natural self or this fear center, to calm back down. Because here's what happens when we live in an an anxiety state or we live in an anxious state. The amygdala will continue to fire constantly. And so what happens is... If you're living in that kind of realm, then your brain is constantly preparing you for survival. And it's going to forget about reasoning and it's going to forget about logic and it's going to go, we just need to survive. Okay? It's almost like the feeling of 
almost being in a car wreck all the time. It's like the fear of almost falling off a cliff all the time. That's an anxious state or a condition, okay? So what I want to say to you is, is if you're struggling with anxiety and you're like, man, my reasoning self is just not firing, but the natural self is. My nervous system is, is in overdrive. And the problem with that is, is it produces adrenaline and cortisol, which when you continue to do that uh, is harmful to your body. It's good for survival to get you out of a situation where there's a bear chasing you or there's a snake there or, um, you know, you need to get out of a burning building. But if it's always on like that, then you have a hard time connecting to the logical side of your brain. Um, and so uh, if you slip to the, the next slide, the working definition is there again, a physiological, and now we focus on the word conditioning. So the word conditioning is the process of training you or an animal or somebody else to behave in a certain way or to accept certain, certain circumstances. And so when we are in an anxious state or an anxiety state, somewhere along the line, and this is where we're talking about causes, we have been conditioned to believe that the world is a scary place or that we need to be on high alert. So for instance, if you were say an eight, nine, 10 year old kid and your parents were always fighting, doors were always slamming, people were screaming, uh, and sometimes you got thrown into the mix. And that happens year after year after year. Then as an adult, you have been conditioned to think, you know what, people aren't safe. Relationships aren't safe. Things are not going to work out. And so what begins to happen is you stay in this um, heightened state because you've been conditioned. So a great question to ask yourself is, how have I been conditioned? If, if I'm dealing with anxiety or if you're working with someone who's anxious, where did that conditioning start? How did I can get conditioned? Because I can put two people in the same situation and they will respond to it in two different ways based on their conditioning. So if I put a glass in front of you and I fill it halfway up, is it halfway full or is it half empty, right? Depends on your perspective, but it can also depend on, on your conditioning. So and again, that's something that you can even ask God. God, what? How have I been conditioned to be anxious? How have I conditioned, been conditioned to not have peace and to not be able to rest, right? Or uh, be able to um, see things at least neutrally sometimes, right? Like give people and situations the benefit of the doubt uh, because everything is not um, a, a spider, right? Crawling on the table beside you. Uh, we certainly don't want to turn it off completely because we need these because, again, that natural self needs to keep us in a place where we are, um, where we still have those skills and the ability to get out of danger when it comes. So that's that's probably something to uh, maybe delve into, maybe in some quiet time or even if you're working with a pastor or a mentor or, um, you know, somebody who's a, a good friend. The next um, slide basically says that an important step toward healing is recognizing that we are ex what we are experiencing is a conditioned response, and it may not be an imminent threat, right? Um, I've met plenty of couples who one of the couples who maybe had a, a traumatic uh, upbringing feels like every time there's a discussion with their spouse that there's a threat. 
and the spouse is trying to say, look, I'm just trying to talk through this problem, and the, the, the other spouse who has dealt with trauma maybe or neglect or abuse is in this condition response, and they keep experiencing it over and over. And so what we want to do is we want to learn how to calm that amygdala down, and we want the prefrontal cortex to, to come uh, online, so to speak. Okay? Your next slide is the last part of the working definition of a physiological conditioning for survival, and that's the word survival. Um, and so the word survival means the state or the fact of continuing to live or exist, typically in spite of an accident, an ordeal, or difficult circumstance. So here's what I say to people who are struggling with anxiety or they're in an anxiety state. You have survived, and you are continuing to survive. So there's something in you uh, that has... Uh, that desire to keep going. So even if you're like, oh, I'm not where I want to be or I'm a mess or I got all these things, somewhere in there, even in that anxiety, it has gotten you to a place where you have survived. You are continuing to exist and you may not like your existence and you may wish you had more, but you're still here, right? You're, if you're listening to this podcast, you are still surviving. And here's the thing that's a little difficult for people to grasp at first, but learn to honor the fact that you have made it this far. Even if you chose anxiety or anxiety is a part of your life, it got you to where you are. Now, what we want to do is we want God to be the one who continues to help us survive. So, even though we used anxiety to get where we were, let's not beat ourselves up because we have anxiety, but let's go, you know what? That got me here. Uh, one of the sayings I use a lot is, is you did what you knew to do with what you knew. And what I mean by that is whatever you knew, whatever you understood, whatever tools you had at your disposal when you were 6, 7, 8, 10, 14, 18, 25, 40, however old you were, you, do, you did the best you could with what you knew. Right. So what we want to do is we want to give you more knowledge. We want to give you more experiences so that you can expand that toolbox or belt to where anxiety is not the only response to things. OK, if you go to the next um, slide, you'll see, again, we have our working definition and then. The purpose of fear, you know, we talk a little bit about anxiety and depression uh, in other uh, podcasts, but when you are fearful, the purpose of that coming up in you, that's your natural self, is to grab your, your attention because there's a potential threat. It's really there, right? You're, you're in your car, you're at a red light, it turns green, you start to go, someone runs a red light. There should be some fear there that you almost get in a wreck, or you're on a, a bike, you're riding a bike, and you hit a rock and the front tire goes sideways and you almost go over the handlebars, right? That, that's a real threat. Here's the difference between that and anxiety. Anxiety is about the anticipation of a threat. The threat may not be there, right? How many times have you uh, experienced this? Um, you don't want to have a conversation with your spouse or if you were younger, you didn't want to have a conversation with your parents because you were afraid of how they were going to respond, right? There's probably lots of people raising their hands right now. Well, that's anxiety. It was the anticipation 
of how they were going to respond. It wasn't the actual response because you never got to it, right? So you don't go talk to your boss about wanting a raise because you have anxiety because you have already decided, well, this is probably how they're going to respond. Now, some of that is based on previous um, experience, right? Maybe you've gone to your boss before to ask for a raise and, you know, he or she has said no. Um, But what we want to learn to do is we want to learn to identify that that is anxiety, that it's not necessarily the truth. It is one of many possibilities of what could happen. Because I could easily say to you, maybe you'll get the raise. You might get more than what you asked, or that person may understand you better than you thought. And so this difference between fear, which is you have a threat that's actually there, versus anxiety, which is it could happen, okay? If you go to the next slide, this is a a picture of um, what a very popular um, counseling technique called... um, Uh, CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And basically what it does is it helps you to reframe your thoughts, okay, so that your feelings will change and your behavior will change, okay? And if you look at this slide, you will see a triangle in the middle, and it's something called core beliefs. And this is basically what you believe. And nobody can change that. Okay, if today you believe that the world is a scary place, it doesn't matter how many times I tell you it's not, that's your belief. Okay, and most of those core beliefs are either uh, about you, that's about others, or about what the future holds. Okay, and here's what happens. And if you look at this slide on the inside, your feelings are taking center stage. Okay, so everything is scary. Uh, everything is hard. Everything is um, difficult. Everything is going to turn out terrible. And so you get all these feelings on the inside. You're anxious. Um, you know, your stomach's in knots. Um, you may actually, you know, have sweaty palms. You might get headaches. All these things are happening. And what's causing all of this are these beliefs. So a lot of times people will say things like this. I hear this a lot. I can't help how I feel. Well, what cognitive behavioral therapy does is it says, actually, what you just said, I can't change the way I feel, is actually a belief, which is actually a thought. And so what they teach is your feelings aren't really coming first. Your thoughts are coming first. And so if our thoughts change, then our feelings change. And if our feelings change, our behavior will change. So let me give you an example. Let's say you are scared of heights, okay? And so, again, the anxiety, the anticipation of being, say, on a ladder causes you to get sweaty palms, you get dizzy, you, you actually uh, start to hyperventilate, Okay. If I start talking to you about that, you will probably tell me about your feelings, okay? I'm scared. I'm afraid. It's, it's just too much, okay? But if I could take you back before you had a feeling, there was a thought that caused the feeling, okay? And if I can get you into your thoughts, guess what I'm doing? I'm getting you out of your amygdala, which is this place of you know, fight or flight, you've probably heard that before. 
and I'm getting your prefrontal cortex to come online, and I'm going, okay, what are your thoughts? And so the thought might be, I'm going to lose my balance and I'm going to fall. Okay? And so what I might ask you is, is do, do you really believe that? And you say yes. Guess what? That's a core belief. You have a belief that you're going to fall. Now, you may have some uh, experience of being on ladders, and let's say you fell when you were seven. Okay, you fell, hit your head, and got a concussion. So now you're afraid of being on ladders, right? That's finding where the conditioning started, okay? So then when I say, okay, what has caused you to believe that you are going to fall if you get on a ladder? And you tell me the story of being seven. And you tell me the whole story. You fell, you hit your head, you cried, you had a headache, you got a concussion, you went to the hospital, um, your, your mom was, um, very overprotective of you after that. And then all of a sudden you start finding out how this thing got started. Does, does it mean that you never fell? No. Did you have the concussion? Yes. All of those things happened, but somewhere in there, a belief came in there that being on ladders is going to cause damage. And so the feeling when you see the ladder is what you're focusing on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk more about your thoughts. And I'm going to say, okay, so you believe that you're going to fall from that ladder, right? So then they do something called desensitization training. And it's simply this. I would say, all right, get on the first step of the ladder and just stand there. And guess what? I'll ask you, how do you feel? Well, I feel fine. I'm on the first step. Why do you feel good? Well, because I'm not, I mean, even if I fell from here, nothing would happen. I'm good. Okay. So guess what? You got on the ladder and you didn't fall. So let's try the second step. You get on the second step and guess what? You probably feel a little uneasy, but you're okay. You know, your palms are a little sweaty. Maybe you feel a little uneasy, but I'm going to keep talking to you about what's happening. I'm going to talk to you about your thoughts and I'm going to talk to you about your feelings. And so the idea is that I keep doing this right? And then guess what? We have more experiences where you didn't fall to the point where you start going up the ladder to the point where you can get to the top and you realize, you know what? I was able to get on the ladder and I didn't fall. And now you have a different experience, right? So just in general, our core beliefs, if we have negative core beliefs about ourselves, about others, or about the future, and I would add even about God, if we have different experiences with God, then those core beliefs change, which means my thoughts change, my feelings change, and my behaviors change, okay? Now, I could go on and on and on about that, but that's just a, a, a you know, a small example of how that works. The next um, slide is probably one of the most helpful, and this comes from... Um, simplypsychology.org. You could go on there yourself and take a look at it. And it's what they call cognitive distortions. And it's 13 uh, pretty common thoughts that um, are distortions, meaning these are the things that cause your feelings to move to being anxious about things. And so I'm not going to go over those, but I will say um, one of the things is... Um, the uh, emotional reasoning, which is halfway through the page. It's kind of a purple circle there. And that is everything, when you think about something, everything flows through uh, your emotions. And so going back to the latter, um, it's scary. 
And what happens is, is that everything, because everything's flowing emotionally, the ability to, uh, again, use that prefrontal cortex to say, well, wait a minute, let me, let me look at some other uh, opportunities. Let me look at other ways of, of viewing this. If you look in the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see black and white thinking. Uh, those two go together. Uh, because it's either good or bad. It's either right or wrong. It's either black or white. There is no gray. There is no in-between. There's no, there was some good and there was some bad. Because black and white thinking gives you some control, right? Because you can put it in a, in a place. If you look at the bottom left hand, you see the word labeling. Labeling is a way to try to make sense of things that don't make sense. Because people who struggle with anxiety a lot of times don't like um, uncertainty, right? That was part of the definition. So if I can label, especially a person, right? So I look at you, you say something, you raise your voice when you're talking to me, and now I can label you. And because I can label you, then guess what I get to do? I get to uh, blame you for things, right? Um, and then everything is a catastrophe, right? Um, and then predictive thinking. I'm, I'm already figuring out what you're going to say and do before you say or do anything. And I start jumping to conclusions and I start overgeneralizing about things. And even if you do something good, I discount the positive, but I magnify all the bad things. And so you can see all these distortions kind of work together. And here's what I would say to you is, is you could certainly look these up on your own and decide which of these uh, maybe. Uh, am I'm struggling with, or maybe these are my tendencies. Maybe I've been conditioned, right? Uh, one that I'll I'll bring to your attention is the should and must statements, and this is um, very common in people who had um, role models, parents who were um, very black and white thinkers and and perfectionists. And so what begins to happen is, is you talk to yourself in should and must. And when you do that, you have a tendency to um, heap condemnation on yourself. I should have done this. I must do this. There's a lot of pressure in that. And guess what that does is that makes anxiety go up and up and up. So these are not all of cognitive distortions, but those are some common ones that um, maybe you can look at and that might be able to um, to help you. The next two, I'm not going to go over all of them, but there there is a, um, uh, on the left, you'll see the word rigid beliefs, and on the right, you'll see flexible alternatives. And this is how you talk to yourself, okay? And you may not say this out loud, but you may be believing a lot of these things, like uh, on the first page there, I must succeed. Um, I must be liked by my coworkers. I must pass this exam, and if I don't, I'm a failure, right? Those kinds of things can cause a lot of anxiety in you and a lot of pressure, a lot of performance anxiety, whereas the, the alternative is, is, hey, I'd like to pass the exam, but you know what? If I don't, I'm not a failure. I, I did the best I could, right? And I make mistakes just like everybody else. I must succeed. Well, I want to do good, but it's not the end of the world if I don't. I must be liked by my coworkers. I mean, I want to be liked by them, but they don't have to like me, and I can't really demand that they do. Here's my question to you is, if you find yourself moving to the rigid beliefs, you've been conditioned. So where have you been conditioned? 
who has who's and I say this a lot, whose voice are you hearing when you say that? And you may say, well, it's mine. And what I would say is you've probably either picked that up from someone or somebody has directly said that to you. If you go to the next one, um, other people should respect me. Um, uh, other people, uh, excuse me, things must be perfect or I can't cope. I must finish everything on my to-do list, right? You can feel the pressure of those statements versus, hey, I, I want things to go well, but life's unpredictable and I can't control everything. That statement right there, if you're really anxious, you don't like that statement. I can't control everything, but I must. Like you can probably feel the conversation going on in your head, right? This battle in the mind that happens um, to all of us, if we're honest, uh, and there may be certain areas where you have more freedom than others. But bottom line is this. If I'm holding on to these rigid beliefs, I want to look at what the Scripture says about those things, right? Because it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? It also says above all that God in 3 John 2, that God wants us to prosper in our thoughts, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions, right? And John, I mean, Paul tells us that we have the mind of Christ. So, what we want to do is we want to begin to challenge these, okay? And you could certainly look at those and say, okay, which of these? Maybe one. Just pick one. Say, okay, this is one that's really in me. So start asking God, help me to see flexible alternatives. And you may have to start reminding yourself that, you know, it's okay that it's not perfect. It's okay that I'm not finished, right? And you learn that, you know what, I did the best that I could, and I'm going to be able to live with that. And so here are some scriptures if you flip on to the next um, slide. Uh, Philippians 4.8. It says, fix your thoughts. So that means you have the power. You have the control to do that, which is interesting because people who struggle with anxiety think that everything's out of control and they want to control it. And here he is in Philippians saying, well, then fix your thoughts on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. And then he says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You can do that. A joyful heart is good medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above. And then Psalm 145.5 says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and, and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. So what we're finding is, is that there's a lot of power behind our thoughts, but we have control. And the Bible is telling us to put our minds on those things. And so I hope that you begin to, and even if you just took those four scriptures, and that's slide 15, even if you just took those four scriptures and you just kept repeating them over and over again, ask God, God, help me to fix my thoughts on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, because he's probably going to tell you things about you that are true and honorable and right and lovely and admirable and excellent, right? And that's what you want. You want a proper perspective of yourself and of life. Because ultimately, the Bible says that everything is under God's control. And so what we want to do is we want to learn how to let him be God and then let him direct our paths. And when we do that, I believe that our anxiety can, can definitely go down. 
Uh, if you go to the last slide there, slide 16, you'll see uh, if you need some help beyond today, there's some information there. You can get in touch with us by email. Uh, you can also call us and uh, take a look at uh, what's happening in Brookwood in care. And also, there's some other podcasts there. So um, thanks for joining me today, and uh, let me pray for you guys, and uh, we'll get together sometime soon. Father, we do thank you for... Uh, loving us and for guiding our paths. Uh, Lord, I pray for every person that's listening that they will uh, take one thing from today and and implement it in their life, Lord. And I pray that it will produce fruit and that you will meet them where they are and that you will remind them of their value, but also of the love that you have for them. And Lord, may that begin to turn things around and turn from anxiety and an anxious state into one where there's peace. Because Jesus, you told us that you left us peace. And there's a peace that comes from you that the world cannot give. So God, teach us how to access that, and we will uh, praise you for the results. And uh, Jesus, it's in your name that we offer up all of our prayers. Amen. So God bless you guys. Have a great day. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you would like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355 or email us at careministries at brookwoodchurch.org. To find out more about what Care Ministries offers, please visit www.brookwoodchurch.org care. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless.